episode of the Baseball Empress podcast, a show for baseball fans by a baseball fan. I'm Stephanie, your host, and with us today we will have a special guest for a segment, my son Eli. He's going to discuss how we can help America's youth become more interested in baseball again. Also, back by popular demand, is my daughter Janae here with us again during this episode. Hey, hey. Today we're going to discuss uh, the latest Cardinal News, a Know Your History segment with Yogi Berra, and a conversation about catchers. AL Central preseason topics, America's Youth and Baseball, Bartolo Colon. So, jumping right into the latest Cardinal News. So again, Yadier Molina was in the news, and what he said was he wants to go into the Hall of Fame as the best catcher ever. Now, there's a lot of debate about where Yachty ranks in baseball history as the best catcher. Most people have him about third. And usually the reason for that is his mediocre offensive numbers. And while that you know may be the case, I do think that most of what Yachty does is difficult to quantify. So if you look at it, in a statistic form or on paper, and you don't watch a lot of what Yachty does day-to-day in games and know how he's such a leader on the field, it is difficult to understand his impact on the game. But I really like the way that he just came out and said he wants to be the best. I mean, that's what we want to hear from our players, and that's what special elite athletes always say is they want to be the best. That's what their goal is. That's what they strive to do. You really really don't want to hear somebody say, eh, I'm okay with like third or fourth. I'm good with that. So speaking of catchers, also um, on May 12th was, would have been Yogi Berra's 95th birthday. And if you don't know Yogi Berra, he's actually from the Hill neighborhood here in St. Louis. Um, some people say he's the greatest catcher or one of the greatest catchers in that conversation because he's got the most championships for a catcher. Um, Yogi was, was quite the unique personality from what I understand and hear. He was a really nice guy. And let's just kind of review his career stats a little bit. So Yogi had a long career in MLB, so he played 19 years, most of which were with the New York Yankees, and then he spent one year with the Mets. He's won three MVPs. He had a career batting average of 285, a war of 59.5, and was an all-star several times throughout his career. Um, If you've ever seen the clip of Jackie Robinson stealing home, he's the catcher that essentially Jackie Robinson stole on. He's also very popular for his yogiisms, but he was a good he was a good catcher in and of his own right. And so just for comparison, so far in Molina's career, he has a 40.1 war. He has a 282 batting average, um, on base percentage 333, slugging 405, so an OPS of 738. And he's won two world championships with the Cardinals, a Silver Slugger Award. He's a nine-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glove winner, and a four-time Platinum Glove winner. So their numbers 
are comparable. Um, but what truly set Yogi apart really was his yogiisms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Janae is a big fan of yogiisms. Um, so if you aren't familiar with yogiisms, we can give you a couple. There are a couple that you kind of hear all the time, like it ain't over till it's over. It's like deja vu all over again, <laughs> things like that. Um, one of my favorite ones is you can observe a lot by watching. That's a, <laughs> oh, <it's> true. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, also one that's related to baseball is he said, baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. I feel that, Yogi. It is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is a mental. It's mental and it's physical. Mm-hmm, the other half. And the other half of it is. <laughs> Math panel is not a strong suit. <laughs> right. A nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. <laughs> no one goes there nowadays. It's too crowded. Y'all watch out with this corona. Do right. the social distancing. <laughs> Six feet, please. And uh, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Take, take the fork. You come, you got to take it. Yeah. Either way, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So this kind of got me thinking this week with, with Yadi and Yogi. Um, even their nicknames are similar, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, wise. <laughs> but really, like, what is the true value of a, a catcher? I mean, it's kind of difficult to quantify in, in a lot of ways, especially Yadi. And, and I didn't watch Yogi play. I'm not that old. And we talk a lot about the offensive contribution of a catcher, right? Um, he's in the lineup every day, and just like anyone else who's in the lineup every day, we talk about his offensive contribution. But is that really how we should value a catcher? I mean, there's also, I mean, their ability um, to play defense is really their main contribution. You know, you take any pitcher who's who's played most of their career in the National League and you you never talk about what their batting average was unless it's just like, you know, randomly high for a pitcher. There's always that they quote, rake. yeah, for a pitcher um, qualifier on there. And so um, you think about like a Madison Bumgarner is always one that, that comes to mind. Zach Grinky. Zach Grinky for sure. Um, but does that is that really how we – are going to remember those players. I mean, pitchers were, were not. We're going to remember how they pitched, like what a great pitcher they were. And, and specifically, we're talking about starters here. So why, if a pitcher pitches well, he's effective, he gets outs, he gets wins, not a lot of runs are scored, or he at least leaves his team in a position to win when he leaves a game. Um why is it any different for a catcher then? Why for a catcher are we so concerned about their offense? Because they do just as much work during a game as a pitcher. Actually, they do more work in a game because very rarely are pitchers throwing complete games, especially now. Catchers, on the other hand, they're playing complete games Every single day. And every time that ball is pitched, they're throwing it back. I mean, I think it boils down to what are, when you think about the great catchers and when you think about Yachty, like what are some characteristics that you want in those guys? I want somebody who is the peak of stability. Like he's in the game. He knows what's going on. 
He's a force behind the plate. Balls are not getting past him. He's not erratic in his behavior. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. More specifically, the pitchers trust him. We've all seen those awkward situations where pitchers shake off pitches that are called by the catchers all the time. And it just may, and they have all these mound visits and you're like, you can tell that these, these pitchers are not trusting whatever catcher is catching that day, or maybe they're not on the same page. You rarely see that with a Yachty or with, you know, some of these other veteran guys. So, um, those, those characteristics, you know, you can't, you can't necessarily boil it down to stats specifically, but, um, yeah, I mean, they are the commanders of the the defense, specifically the infield, um, and their contributions are invaluable, especially when you have someone who can rein in like a whole kind of class of young pitchers like Yachty does consistently, like every year or two whenever the Cardinals have a, a mass influx of young pitchers, he like brings them under his his wing and is teaching them, you know, how things are going to go. And they're like, yeah, Yachty is the best. We're going to listen to him. And He's that's really like another pitching coach. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, to have that on the field, like, right. It, how do you quantify that? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. Um, again, you know, with Yachty, I mean, just a quick rundown of, of the things that we as Cardinal fans know that he does every single game. He's calling the game. He's calling every single pitch. And and in case you don't know, not every catcher does that. A lot of times pitches are called by the managers in the dugout or the, the pitching coaches are involved. And they um, send signs to the catcher. And then the catcher sends signs to the pitchers. It's not always just the catchers. or There's a pregame plan that's put together. And I'm sure the Cardinals put together a pregame plan, but Yachty is the one who calls those pitches. Yachty is the one that calls that game. And that's why uh, pitchers do not shake him off and do not shake off his calls because, you know, if you're if you're a real, like, dedicated Cardinal fan, you remember that game years ago with Shelby, Shelby Miller. Miller. I don't know what Shelby got Miller. into him that day, but he was not feeling Yachty's uh, calls and he kept shaking them off and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. To the point where Yachty just kind of, you know, did the little, just come on and throw signs. Like, throw whatever you want, Shelby. Let's go. Like, let's just pitch. And it did not go well for Shelby Miller. He got rocked that game. And really, you know, we're sitting there shaking our heads going, this is not going to go well. It never goes well when pitchers shake off Yachty. And it did not go well for Shelby that game. And I don't know whether Shelby Miller learned his lesson or not, but... I'm not sure if he's even pitching in baseball right well, now. Well, he wasn't on the team the next year. I know <laughs> he much. sure wasn't. If you're familiar with Jordan Hicks, you all know that he throws 103, 104, 105 miles per hour sometimes. Um, those those foul tips, they go off of Yachty's body. We all remember his injury from a couple years ago off 103 miles per hour foul tip. Those balls hitting his hand completely repeatedly even with the glove that hurts like (laughs) that's a lot to take and then at the same time 
he's directing the defense. And I don't just mean the infield, the outfielders mm-hmm. too. Every pitch, he's moving them because he knows what's getting ready to be thrown. He knows the batters. He knows the entire game so well that he is literally like having a coach on the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the whole new rule, um, what was that last year that they did the the field visit limit? Um, you know, most of the time, you know, the manager is directing that. The pitching coach is directing that when there's a mound visit. Um, but with Yachty, the Cardinals trust him. If he needs to go talk to one of those pitchers, Go talk to one of the pitchers. And he will not hesitate to go out there and talk to them. Right. And it, it really is impactful. It's, it's And they listen. Mm-hmm. They listen. They know. I mean, Adam Wainwright knows. He's played with Yachty his entire career. Um, Carlos Martinez knows. Again, every pitcher knows. Jack Flaherty, you know, Cy Young candidate going forward, knows. All of our pitching staff will tell you about Molina. And the whole league really knows the importance that he plays to the Cardinals on the field and off the field. And you can't quantify leadership. And that's what Yachty brings to the table. He teaches so much. He tries to learn as much as he can. And it really is it's, it's kind of poetry in motion just to watch him and watch all the things that he does. It's, you can just see his mind working. Right. And the, the physical beating that catchers take on a day-to-day basis is significant and then we expect them to go out here and what like hit 300 every season with yeah, like and 30 I mean, Yachty or something is not like he does not take days off like no people tell him to take days off right and he, if he could play all 182 games he would absolutely play all 182 games and Matt Wieters and whoever else is the backup will just have to ride the pine because they would never get any playing time. Which is why our younger catching prospects keep getting traded away because they're not getting playing opportunities. And, you know, it's really like Michael Jordan, in a way, you think about it, Michael never wanted to sit on the bench. He never wanted to come out of the game, um, you know, even if he was sick and, and not feeling well. And that's how Molina is. Like, he never wants to take a day off. And Unless he is literally going to the hospital. Right, exactly. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> Exactly. And don't get me wrong, you know, Yachty has decent offensive numbers. Especially the past several years. Yeah, he's had some really good offensive seasons, and he's very, very clutch. Mm -hmm. And and the Cardinal players talked about it recently on social media. He's one of the most – he's definitely the most clutch player on our team. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, one of the most clutch players in baseball because he is great at making contact. And he's great at directing the ball. And because he knows the game so well, he knows where to place a ball to try and score a runner. He knows the speed that we may have on the bases. He knows that there's no one on the base. That's the time that he may try to hit a home run. Because, you know, speed's just not one of his gifts that he has. Right. And most catchers don't, are not fast runners. So it, it really is interesting the way that that we think about catchers and we try to compare them and we try to rate them it seems like offense always comes up and and I I just really don't think that's really I mean it's kind of like a nice bonus kind of like if your pitcher hits well when they bat I mean it's great but that's not their even close to their main function 
And that's not really what you're looking for in a catcher. So I really, I guess I say all that just to say I'm kind of tired of hearing that argument against Molina. Mm -hmm. Um, He's actually a very clutch hitter. In fact, when we have runners on base late in the game that we're trying to tie up, I actually am happy to see Molina come to the plate. Um, Catchers, uh, very important. Moving on, um, wanted to do a little um, segment on the AL Central preseason topics. Um, So this is getting a little bit complicated to kind of keep talking about it in this format just because the proposal that baseball has currently is to do these three 10-team divisions. So I'm talking about the AL Central, but if we have a 2020 season, these teams will be up against different teams and they won't necessarily be in the division to compare, um, to, to compete against each other. Um, but we're going to continue with this because this is what we know until, until something else is um, actually announced officially. So in the AL Central this year, the Twins, Indians, White Sox are expected to be the best teams with the Twins, I think pretty much by far, again, appearing to um, being the strongest team in that division. Um, they really are loaded, and they appear to strengthen their defense and, and lineup this offseason by adding Josh Donaldson. Um, so that'll be interesting to, to kind of watch how – if they're able to um, compete as well as they did last year and not run into the Yankees or somebody (laughs) in the playoffs that that, um, can stop them. Uh, The White Sox added Yasmani Grandal, Dallas Keuchel, Gio Gonzalez, Edwin Encarnacion. So they're not playing around either. Right. They've already got a a talented squad over there with Tim Anderson and some other guys. So they they are on the hunt. They are on the come up for sure. That's right. They're tired of everybody talking about the Cubs all the freaking time Mm -hmm. in Chicago. And uh, we want to go back to where where they're the story again. So those are are strong additions for for pitching and for their lineup. Um, So I think it'll be great to see how they're able to compete and especially with um, some of those veterans that they've they've added. Um, Royals um, have Mike Matheny as their manager. Hmm. Um, How about that? Yeah. Well, you know, we're that's unfortunate. We're sorry for that. Um. Not really. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, y'all get the if you are a Royals fan and you live in Missouri, you get the same coverage for the Cardinals you saw. Yeah, y'all know y'all know what's up with that. Yeah, you know what you're dealing <laughs> with. So good luck. Yeah, have fun. Godspeed. Right. Um, Tigers not projected to do well this year. Crickets. Yeah, that's all we had to say about that. Mm-hmm. So we have a special treat today. My son Eli is here to discuss. America's youth and their interest and involvement in playing baseball and being a baseball fan. I think it's really important that we get today's youth more interested in baseball because they're not as interested as previous generations and it may impact the game in the future. So Eli had some ideas. So Eli, take it away. Um, so my first conversation is why kids are broken apart from the game. Well, most kids are into video games instead of going to a baseball game and watching the game because so many of them are distracted by their phones or their tablets. So they have so many other things that they 
they could do that are electronic in you. Kids loved baseball back then when there was nothing else to entertain them, such as video games. Back then, the only other thing to do was to play an outdoor game. Personally, the last time I went to a game, it was pretty hot and it was hard to focus on the game. Mostly, that's not the reason for kids being distracted, but I am actually into the game. That's probably why my mom let me be on this podcast. So, my second conversation is about bringing baseball to kids. Since kids are occupied with their technology and video games, we can make more baseball video games, specifically VR, because it would give kids an actual feeling of the game. If you don't know what VR is, it's basically virtual reality. You get a special type of goggles, you put it on your head, and you can basically see it a little bit better. And if you move around, you can see more of the setting. Um, when kids play a video game like baseball that they have the materials to do in real life, they can be inspired to do them in their backyard because if in the video game they learn the same rules for in real life so they know how to play already and they somewhat know how they know what it looks like in real life. It is possible that some major leaguers were inspired by older video games to play baseball. Um, I personally love the game a lot and I really do hope that the other kids who are listening to this episode to be inspired by this to try out the game and hopefully like and hopefully like it so our future generation can continue America's beloved game. All right, thank you Eli. Good job. Okay, so Eli has some good ideas uh, for getting kids interested in baseball in America. And I really do think this is a key issue for Major League Baseball. I know it's something that Rob Manford has you know, talked about. They've tried to institute some, some programs and some connections between Major League Baseball and youth teams and getting more kids involved. Really, it's just involvement and familiarization with Major League Baseball and youth. Because kids have so many things that are distracting them, so many ways their attention can go. I mean, so many video games. Uh, you know, they've they're got so much to do with school these days. And, um, you know, a lot of them do play sports. But honestly, the NFL and the NBA have done a much better job marketing and keeping up with youth and making sure that their product is front and center. And baseball just has not done a good job with that. They've really taken it for granted because for so many years, you know, kids were out there on the ball fields in the heart of America, you know, playing ball. And that's just not what kids are doing these days. They are starting to do a little bit better job, at least on social media, of marketing some of the younger players. I feel like during this um, quarantine but they really do need to continue it. I mean, there's great young players in the game. There's dynamic young players in the game who are exciting to watch. Um, and, yeah, we've got players like Mike Trout who really aren't into the whole marketing, front and center, bigger-than-life personality. But we've got a lot of players who are. It's worth noting that so there's this dichotomy that exists, right? Like we got kids who, you know, 
we all know that kids need to be physically active. Like they need that 60 minutes a day. So you got one end of the spectrum of kids who, you know, maybe aren't getting that physical activity at all. And they're not playing baseball because they're not interested in, you know, they think it's boring, whatever, all those, all those reasons that people give kids give why they don't like to watch or play baseball. Then you've got the other end of the spectrum of kids who play literally year round and no break. Mm -hmm. And MLB has, they try to address both of those issues. Like they try to, you know, do the, what is it? The hit play run program and like RBI stuff in the inner city and stuff like that. And then they've also late, I might add, come into the picture and say, Hey, you know, Hey, all y'all kids who are playing, you know, nine months out of the year, like this isn't great for your arm. This isn't great, you know, for baseball. Like we want to see, we want to see well-rounded athletes, like all these athletes, uh, like, like your Chris Archers or your Mike Trouts or people who grew up playing multiple sports for years that's what helped them become better baseball players in general. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, MLB just, they need to do a better job of of addressing both of those issues going forward, just for the, for the su- sustainability of the game. Like, we got to get kids playing baseball and interested in baseball, and there are certain things that we can do to, to help promote that. And then we also need to s- incorporate some balance here and be like, okay, y'all can't be playing, you know, every weekend for nine months and expect that you're going to be healthy enough to, to play ball. Um, it's hard to take your kids to a game. It's expensive. Um, and even if you're watching on TV, again, those games are late. It'd be great. You know, they used to, before all ballparks had stadium lights, a lot of those games used to be played in the afternoon. And, I mean, we've all heard many a story of uh, people coming home from school and, you know, turning on the radio to listen to a ball game, going to the ballpark after school or watching it on TV in the afternoon. I, I know I personally used to come home and turn on WGN in the afternoon and watch the Cubs. I knew a lot about the Cubs. I wasn't a Cubs fan. But I knew a lot about the Cubs and and, and baseball because they didn't have lights even when I was a kid in Wrigley Field. And so they played a lot of their games in the afternoon. That was really fun listening to Harry Carey and all that and, you know, watching baseball in the afternoon. So that might be something that baseball needs to consider as well. In addition to just a general casual fan appeal, um, and it, it might actually be better for the players as well, is like fewer regular season games, not by a lot, but by a few, and maybe adding another round to the playoffs because so many people just like to watch playoff sports mm-hmm. and not necessarily regular season sports. So MLB definitely needs to do some work there. And uh, whatever you can do personally to, to get your kids or, or other kids around you in the community involved in baseball and loving baseball like we all do, that would be great. So in case you missed it, uh, Bartolo Colon um, has some comments this week about playing another season, which he'll turn 47 on May 24th. Um, so he wants to pitch another season. Um, very interesting. And I think, Janae, you um, can speak to this a little too, about he really wants to be a legend in the Dominican, and I think he already kind of has that status there. 
Yeah, um, I've been lucky enough to have visited the Dominican Republic several times and, uh, you know, driving through some of the, the smaller towns and stuff like that. Uh, if you're with people who, you know, are native to the Dominican or spend a lot of time in the Dominican, they will tell you pretty much all of the main players that come from every city that you visit. And as we know, there are a lot of Dominican players. So pretty much every town that you go through, someone that you can readily recognize their name, uh, they're from that town. And I remember uh, driving through a couple of towns and one of the, the people that were with us were like, oh, this is where, you know, this is the town where Bartolo Colon is from. And I think that's his biggest thing, you know, him turning 47. He's all about this legacy that he's trying to, to leave uh, specific, specifically for uh, Dominican players. You know, like most Dominican pitchers, he looks up to Pedro Martinez, who was elected to the Hall of Fame several years ago. So he wants to, you know, solidify his his legacy up there with Pedro. And, you know, <laughs> he is just, he, Bartolo is a very fun person to watch play. Doesn't exactly look like an athlete. Doesn't look like an athlete. <laughs> He's one of those, like, when he comes to spring training, like, you know he's the one that's going to have to lose the 10 pounds or the 15 pounds yeah. or however, you know, to pass the physical or whatever that he's got to do. But, like, I mean, the man can pitch. He can pitch. And he's been doing it a long time. And, you know, his his hitting is entertaining. Mm-hmm. And he hit that one home run. I think he said he watches it like at least once every day. I mean, I don't blame him. Cause <laughs> it was a good, solid home run right. too. You can't take that away from him. No, you can't. Um, and and I'll post uh, some of Bartolo's highlights on the Instagram page at the Baseball Empress. But he he really is unique, and he's a fun personality, fun to watch, effective pitcher. So if he's able to come back and, and pitch again, I'm going to watch. Absolutely. And thank you for being on the show again this week. No problem. You can follow the show on Instagram at the Baseball Empress and at thebaseballempress.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, this ain't your grandma's baseball podcast. And it sure as hell ain't your grandpa's. <laughs>